Welcome to the Tabletop Sportcast. I'm your host, James Cast. Today is May 10th, 2023, and this is episode 115. Today I'm going to take an inside look at the Squared Circle Pro Wrestling Simulation Game by S.T. Patrick. As always, if you'd like to reach out to me with questions, thoughts on topics, or just want to tell me about a project you're running, send me an email at tabletopsportcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to check out the latest from my tabletop, head on over to facebook.com backslash tabletopsportcast, where I'll post generally a bunch of things from my tabletop and what's been going on for my different sports simulations. And lastly, if you'd like to help support the podcast, head on over to patreon.com backslash tabletopsportcast, where $1 a month goes a long way to helping to offset costs for the podcast. All right, before we get into today's main topic, let's take a look back at the week that was on the tabletop. All right, so here we are in May. It's May 10th, the week kicking off the month of May here, and it's really a little over a week. Um, Posting this a couple days late as I've been busy going, you know, been doing some stuff outside with the warmer weather and things getting really nice outside, and that's been a nice change of pace to be able to get out and do some more stuff after the winter months have come to an end. Um. And also building off of last week's episode, I just had a chance to really sit down and rethink my approach to some of the projects that were ongoing and kind of regroup and think about what my plan is going forward. So this week was pretty productive. I was able to get a number of things off and running and feeling pretty good about it. In fact, since uh, May 1st, I've been able to complete 14 gaming sessions this past, you know, eight or nine days and got a couple of new games onto the tabletop too, that I'll touch on in just a second here. So uh, for some of the projects that have been ongoing uh, history maker, baseball, 1977 Yankees uh, two games set with Milwaukee uh, where I was able to split the series with Milwaukee game. One went 12 innings. Uh, Milwaukee came back and won 10 to nine. So tough loss for the Yankees on the road in Milwaukee. And then they came back the next day and got an 8-7 win in game two of that series. So a nice little short two-game set with Milwaukee to keep that season moving along as I'm still playing in the month of June for 1977. Kicked off my Dice United Fictional League. I created just a small fictional league, nine teams, and... Um, went with nine mostly because I was creating the cards from scratch, came up with a little team format card that I wanted to use, and I was able to fit nine on a page. So I went with nine and was just planning on playing a little tournament as I tried to start thinking about resizing some of my projects. I decided to take this from being a full league and down to just a tournament where I usually end up with soccer. Um, you know, it's, with some of the sports where I don't really want to track a lot of the stats. And in this case with soccer, I generally don't have a favorite team that I'm following. So with Dice United, it felt like a good time to just size up for a nice little tournament. So I played an eight, nine play in game and kind of went off from there, just single elimination tournament. So just a couple games in, but uh, off and running 
and got about four games in for that as I kicked that off. Hockey Blast, continuing with the 2021 uh, New York Rangers replay, uh, completed games 24 and 25 so far this week. Game 24 saw the Montreal Canadiens win a shootout, two back-to-back shootout wins uh, for Montreal against the Rangers, both games ending, I think, 2-1 to one for both of them as well, yeah. And then the Rangers went into Calgary and, and lost 4-2 to two to Calgary. So I'll have one more game to play there this week, um, and that will be the home game against Calgary to get me up through game 26. So probably not going to finish that this month um and you know trying to track it for the end of june is really what i'm shooting for so outside chance there but i'm gonna have to really get a lot more games in what else uh face to the mat got in show number two of my, of season two of my wrestling america federation where i started with the 70s set and show number two saw a new wrestler appear, Yafeni El Akid, issued a grudge match challenge to Colonel Union as he takes on the stable uh, of the armed forces there. And yeah, so we'll look forward to that one in the next match in our next show. But got to see show number two. And also in wrestling, and I'll touch more on this in a little bit, but because uh, it is uh, it is the squared circle, the game we're going to focus in on today. But uh, I'm doing a little showcase with Randy the Macho Man Savage and looking back at three of his classic bouts from the early WrestleManias. So this week I did WrestleMania 2, where he took on George the Animal Steel. And uh, that one ended with Randy Savage landing his patented flying elbow from the top rope and securing the pinfall against George Steele. So Savage comes away with the win at WrestleMania 2, much like he did in real life. And there was some similarities that we'll touch on a little bit later. Uh, what else? Fast Drive Football, the 1986 NFL Rumble. Uh, Philadelphia on was showcased this week a little bit. Philly taking on New Orleans uh, and got a big road win in overtime. Uh, Philly had a 24-10 to 10 lead going into the fourth quarter, and the New Orleans Saints came back, scoring on the final possession of regulation to tie it at 24. And then in overtime, uh, New Orleans won the coin flip, and then the, I got an unusual play, which ended up being a, a pass that was tipped in the air, caught by the Philadelphia defense, and run back for a touchdown. So Philly comes away with the overtime win against New Orleans. And then in the latter format, Philly then had to go and take on Pittsburgh, a team that they had already lost to. And sure enough, Pittsburgh came away with another win, uh, beating Philly 30-14. to and that, unfortunately for Philadelphia, was their elimination game. So that Philadelphia has now been knocked out of that rumble. Uh, just three teams surviving right now with a slew of them still to go. Still have a bunch of teams to go through as we're only up to like the seven and nine or, yeah, seven and nine teams right now. Uh, so looking forward to more action there, too. Uh, Ted Lasso, uh, you know, kicked off a co-op, uh, hasn't been a lot of participation yet and in, including myself. Uh, so I finally did play a game with the AFC Richmond 
team. This is a free download from Play Games, and I made my own cards for it, but um, decided to have them do a, an American swing. So I brought an AFC Richmond. Um, they're going to do a kind of an across-the-pond challenge where they're going to host some teams from the American League that I'm using the 1977 North American Soccer League. So they, my first game was against the Cosmos, and that game in England ended up in a 2-2 draw uh, with AFC Richmond coming back from behind twice. Uh, goals by Obasanya and Kent to get them to a 2-2 draw there. And finally, uh, off the board horse racing, a game by Eric Simon that's available um, on the uh, Sports Sim Magazine site. You can get a free download from their site. And uh, Eric has provided a couple of seasons through some of the magazines. I decided to go back to 1977. I'm trying to recreate the Triple Crown for Seattle Slough. So I'm going to run all three Triple Crown races and see if Seattle Slough can uh, repeat as the Triple Crown champion. And sure enough, he came away with a win in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, so Seattle Slough has completed the first of three legs in that 1977 replay. And then lastly, Bull Ride Hero, uh, you know, a little a business card game from Play Games. Uh, pulled that out just, to, you know, one of those games that I just wanted to make sure got to the table. And it's a fun little game. You can play it pretty quickly. A great travel size game. And it's really a risk reward kind of game. So I ended up running five riders. Uh, all used a similar strategy where I start pretty conservatively and I'm looking for the opportunity to get like, a free ride uh, in one of the segments. Um, get the game, you'll understand a little bit what I'm touching on here. But uh, I think I got my highest score ever where I actually had one rider finish with 12 points. Is that what it was? Yeah, 12 points. So I think that's the highest I have ever seen uh, so far from for an eight-segment uh, ride. So 12 points, rider five, ends up winning it all. And I think that is everything. Yes, that completes everything that took place on the tabletop over the past couple of weeks or past 10 days or so. So um, let's get into today's main topic as we talk about the squared circle. All right, the squared circle is a pro wrestling simulation game as I read the front cover of one of these books. Um, and this is probably one of the more unique wrestling games. And, and I've talked about it in the past as well. Um, and we had ST on the show at one point as well. So it's unique in the sense that this really is a simulation. Um, ST has done his homework. He has gone back and watched as much video as he can find on the different feds that existed. Um, I happen to be in possession of about three different um, books here, um, all dealing with some of the early federations from like the 80s. Uh, and he's kind of working his way chronologically through it, but also going, you know, trying to cover a bunch of different feds. I think he's done 
four or five at this point. Um, but watching as much video as he can, tracking all the moves. And, you know, he has himself said on this show, like, that while most people will say there's really no stats for wrestling, there is if you go out and get them. And and he's been doing his homework to really understand a little bit more from a statistical standpoint, like really how do these wrestlers perform? And because he's been able to track all these moves, he's built it into a system that allows him to really replicate and, and have a, a wrestler a true historical wrestler really kind of play out on your tabletop the way that you would expect them to. I'm going to talk about a couple of the matches that I've run here uh, in a little bit, but it's really a unique system. So one, uh, there's some things that I really like about the squared circle and it's growing on me more and more. The more I play it, the more I, I enjoy playing it. Um, first, the use of dragon dice. Uh, so the old D&D dice, he has really made good extensive use of like the full set of dice. Um, I, I'm pretty sure like in, in my last match, I needed to use a D4, a D6, a D8, a D12, a couple D10s, and, and I'm using a D20. I think uh, I'll talk about the option here a little bit, but uh, and I, I threw in the D20 to be able to talk about like wrestler control a little bit. Um, so, you know, it makes use of all these different dice, which I think is always a good thing right off the bat. Like some people really like it when you can simplify a game down to just one or two dice. But, you know, from the old school of like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, like being able to use all those different dice. I like when they when they can be incorporated from time to time. So in this case, I think they're used pretty well um, to help simulate the action that takes place during the match. The main thing you're going to do when you face off with two wrestlers is uh, that you're going to look at a couple of things. So first and foremost, you want to take a look at the movesets. Uh, each wrestler is ranked for basically on percentage based how often did they use a particular move? And then those moves are also going to be rated by how much damage they really inflict. And wrestlers will start with uh, a certain number of power points. Now, ST has provided the ratings of the power points really based on, you know, trying to make sure that the wrestlers that are supposed to win most often are going to win most often. And you'll see this kind of attrition take place during the match. Uh, if you have a couple of A-listing wrestlers going up against each other, kind of like I did recently with simulating that WrestleMania 2 match, like Randy Savage and George Steele aren't 100% equals, but they're both pretty strong wrestlers. The difference in their power points was about 300 points. So when you see them executing their moves on each other, uh, it takes a lot more damage uh, for Randy Savage to start to kind of depreciate throughout the match than it does for George Steele. Uh, in the past, I ran a match with Hulk Hogan against really more of like a C-list or D-list wrestler where the difference in their power points was closer to like 800 points. And you saw like every time like Hogan put a move on the other wrestler, his depreciation was just accelerating. Whereas no matter how many moves that guy executed on Hogan, 
it took a long time for Hogan to really start to depreciate. And there's really like generally there's about five levels of depreciation. And what happens during those like levels of depreciation is it becomes easier and easier to secure a pinfall against that wrestler. So like in the match with Savage, Savage actually went for a pinfall three times in the match. He went for two early on in the match when George Steele was still at level zero, which basically means you're pretty close to full strength and really couldn't get past the the one, you know, one count. He got a one count and that was about it. Um, I think on the first one, he didn't even get the one count. So it it was really difficult for him to really get the three count going. But then later in the match, after he had worn down Steele quite a bit, um, he was not only able to get him down, I think he finally pinned him when he, when Steele was down to a level four, which is pretty close to fully depleted. It means you've lost about 80% of your power points. Um, he also executed his A move, which also helps you secure the pinfall even faster. And that's when he was able to secure, you know, land that flying elbow from the top rope, like his absolute signature move to end the match and that's really what it's designed to do is he's not going to throw that move out there a whole lot but if he gets a chance to execute it and he executes it late in the match it's probably going to be a match ender and in this case it was so that was really cool um and his handling of each wrestler because you can kind of see the moves like taking place you know i'll run you through a couple of the moves that happened in my match between George Steele and Randy Savage. And you'll get a feel for some of the moves that that they were able to execute on each other. So some of the moves that Randy Savage, for instance, uh, was able to get, like he had a couple of his top rope moves that he did. Um, he had an axe handle from the top rope early on. Those were some of the ones he tried to get an early pinfall on. He, of course, had like his, you know, flying elbow at the bot at the end of it. And he also had a cheat move. And, you know, Savage is one of the wrestlers who will try to cheat from time to time. And there's a special cheat chart that they will use that all wrestlers will share. It opens an opportunity for managers to get involved. In this case, like Miss Elizabeth did not get involved in the match, but there was an opportunity for that. Instead, off the cheat chart, Randy Savage threw George Steele into the turnbuckle. And as he bounced off, he rolled him into a pin and then got his feet up on the ropes to try to create some extra leverage. Now, after the match, I went back after I finished the match on my tabletop later that night, I went back and actually watched the match in real life. And that match in, in WrestleMania two actually ended that way with Randy Savage rolling steel into a pin, getting his legs up on the ropes. In that case, the ref didn't catch it and gave him the three count. Savage got out of the ring champion. Uh, in mine, he actually got caught by the ref and the ref told him to break the hold, like break the uh, pin. So, um, but those were some of the mat the moves that he had gotten through there. Um, both of them were executing punches. Um, you know, there was a couple of elbows and an eye rake by Savage. Uh, so he had some of those moves. George Steele, on the other hand, 
was doing a bunch of different moves, trying a couple of like he had an arm bar slam at one point. Um, he had a choke lift at one point and was several times caught biting Randy Savage. One of his like signature moves was biting people. And then there was one point where he has a special move where he will destroy the turnbuckle. And again, WrestleMania too, like he did it. He like tore apart that turnbuckle and it provides an opportunity for either wrestler really to, to throw somebody into that turnbuckle and cause extra damage. And both of them took advantage of that during the match as well. So that led to some big power moves by both wrestlers. So you get to see those things playing out um, as you go through your match. Now, he does a really nice job in this game also of handling some of the really unique wrestlers. Uh, the two that come to mind the most, is, especially with some of these early feds, Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan. So for Andre, who appears in a couple of the different feds that, that he has in this book, you've got the Andre chart. Um, the Andre chart is really not just designed for Andre, but for any wrestler who just really is like an oversized wrestler where most wrestlers are going to have a hard time kind of bringing them to the mat. The Andre chart really allows you to see like how those oversized wrestlers like Andre and the different types of moves that you'll have to use to try to knock them down at times uh, or that they might use against you. So the Andre chart is a really good example of how you can utilize and, and how he decided to handle a very unique wrestler. In Hulk Hogan's case, he's got his kind of hulked up move where Hulk Hogan actually gets, I'm kind of flipping through the book here. Uh, yeah, it's the hulking up. And this kind of calls out like the signature moves that Hogan uses to really turn the tide of a match. So if he gets a chance to get that hulking up move, um, he's going to take advantage of that. So he's because he's tracking like every move that these wrestlers are making, he has a really unique opportunity to really dive in and create some very unique approaches to some of these wrestlers. Uh, and they're treated really well with the wrestling charts that you have for each of the wrestlers. Now, the game plays fairly long. Uh, playing one match out, this isn't the kind of thing where you can sit down and go through a card pretty quickly. It's really designed to be kind of more of a play-by-play, um, -play, you know, move-by-move -move type of match. There are a couple of opportunities, like if you decided you wanted to play some matches fairly quickly, he has a couple of different options that allow you to do that. One is to start at a lower level with their PowerPoints. You know, like in the case of Hogan, he's going to start off with like a thousand PowerPoints. Well, you could take both wrestlers and just start them at like their level three moveset. And that'll speed the matchup in terms of getting to the finish line a little quicker. And you can treat that almost like if it was a TV show and there was a TV time limit. You would say, OK, well, I'm going to start at a, a lower level of their PowerPoints and, and that'll give up a better opportunity to get a faster pinfall and maybe the match instead of taking like how many moves did this take uh, for me to play out the entire savage and steel match took 61 moves. I could have cut that down to probably about less than 30 if I had started them at a different level, uh, which I probably wouldn't do for a power pay-per-view, but 
again, if it was a TV show or a house show, I probably would start them at a lower level and just allow them to make an appearance uh, and then quickly get to like the finish line of the match. Uh, it also has the ability to do kind of a quick play. He's got a quick play format that you can utilize too. Uh, and that's really based more on like going with more like a one or two roll type of an approach. So uh, I haven't really used that part yet, but there is a way to do the quick play if you want to get more of a full card out with only focusing on a couple of matches, you have an opportunity to do that. So he's been thoughtful about providing that opportunity in there as well. The rest of it just comes down to like, you know, I had one match that only took about three or four moves because somebody got disqualified early. I think it was uh, Savage against uh, the Honky Tonk Man, where I want to say it was Savage who ended up using uh, an object, a you know, foreign object in the match and got caught by the ref and was disqualified uh, pretty early on. It only took about four moves. So like, you know, storyline there was probably like huge grudge match, like a lot of bad blood being spilled there and Savage going right after him, like right away, like not even wasting any time, not worrying about winning the match, just worrying about, you know, making sure he got revenge against like Honky Tonk Man. Um, so that was pretty cool. The The other thing that he's done a really nice job of in these games is uh, creating all the different unique match types. So as he's going through and rating these feds, he is caring for any of the unique match types that come up. Um, so, you know, I think it's the, 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 uh, the book that I have for the WWF from 85 to 90 is where he introduces the Royal Rumble because the Royal Rumble comes into play there and he's got some unique rule sets that you can use to simulate a Royal Rumble that makes it different than just your normal battle royal. Um, I know in one of his latest ones, like he's dealing with like tuxedo matches, you know, and all those kinds of things. So like, as he has said, like even the matches that maybe aren't his favorite, he wants to make sure that if, if it happened in that fed, that you have an opportunity then to play it out on your tabletop as well. So he's coming up with kind of like some unique mini games in a sense to help you run through those matches or at least give you some unique move sets or unique rules that you would use to simulate those kind of unique matches um, that come up in each of the different feds. In his core rule book, he does a really nice job of setting you up to run your own federation. And, and that's really, I think, what he's designed this game for. I'm using it more to do like simulation of some historical matches, which works really well. But his long-term hope is more that people would use this to run their own Fed. And, and you could easily do that. And he gives you some of the basic tools to be able to do that. Talks about like how to set up a Fed, how to maybe run a draft with your friends, Um you know, where to start with championship belts. All those kinds of things are covered in the books um, without getting too prescriptive. You know, if you pick up some other wrestling games, they get very prescriptive in terms of telling you how to build storylines. Um, they'll give you pre-match events. They'll give you, you know, mid-match events. They'll give you post-match events. And for the most part, this game doesn't do as much of that because they really want to 
you know, use, he's really trying to design this so that you can almost be like, you know, the, um, the one who's kind of running the fed and coming up with the storylines and deciding how those are going to play out. So instead of being really prescriptive about setting up feuds and alliances and all those kinds of things, he's allowing it more to take place through you doing the storytelling. And um, that's an opportunity that you have with this game. I think is because it's more of an open sandbox, you have an opportunity to really take advantage of that and, and tell the story that way that you want to tell those stories. Um, because of that too, I, I think his recommendation is mostly like try to keep feds separate from one another. Cause that's really how they were. There's enough wrestlers who cross over to the different feds. So you're going to have an opportunity to see, certain wrestlers who appeared in all these different federations because they really did. They moved around a lot, a number of these guys. So you have a chance to see them in multiple places, but they may not be the exact same wrestler in each of those different feds. So you have to kind of play with them within the feds that they've been rated for in a sense. Um, what else would I want to cover here? Let's talk about the raffle chart. So I talked about the cheat chart. The, the other thing that is here is... You know, he did want to make sure that there was at least some of those kind of really special events. And he handles those through what's called the raffle chart. The raffle chart will come up very infrequently. I've only had it really pop up, I think, uh, once out of like five or six matches that I've run. And the idea here is it's really going to get to those really unique events that you're going to find that take place um during a wrestling match so or you know could happen in a wrestling match they don't always happen during a match um but the wrestling raffle chart has all those really kind of like rare plays in a sense uh that you'll see play out uh in your federation so he's taking care of those with that wrestling uh raffle chart so that you can get those rare plays in addition to having all the custom plays of uh of the different wrestlers so really good game. I'm, I'm enjoying it. The more I play it, the more I'm really getting to enjoy it. And I really love, I do like from time to time to be able to get that kind of move set happening and see all the different moves that the wrestlers, you know, execute on. Uh, I definitely find I have to leave some extra time if I'm going to play through a match in this, you know, I, I can get, well, I got through that one match with Savage and Steel probably in the amount of time like playing uh, face to the mat that it would I could run through an entire card because face to the mat is designed to be a much quicker highlight type game. But this gives me a much better feel for how these wrestlers would perform and I get to actually see those signature moves taking place. So for me, because they are those historical wrestlers, the guys that I grew up watching on TV, like I see the move come up and I can see it getting executed you know, in my head. So I think that's a really unique place for this game to live. And I think for any of the games that are out there that uh, allow for the historical wrestlers to be a part of it, this one has done a really nice job of really capturing the essence of those wrestlers. So Squared Circle really handles that in a, in a really good way. And I think for that, it's it's a fun game to play. And it's a really good social game to play too, even though it's not designed as much for um, strategy back and forth. If you were playing against somebody, I think just being able to enjoy like the story unfold 
between two of you. And like, if you had two wrestlers going against each other, kind of adding the context that would happen that led to some of those moves, I think is, is where it can get really fun in terms of the storytelling. Uh, and because of that, I think, you know, it is set up very much like a D and D kind of an adventure where you're going to play out your adventure in Dungeons and Dragons. Like here, you're going to play out your wrestling match. Uh, you know, basically what you have, you know, that the dice are going to help you determine that, but you get to tell the story as you go through it. All right, let's come back and wrap up today's episode. And that's a wrap on this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed an inside look at the Squared Circle, a wrestling simulation game by S.T. Patrick. The game is great, and I've really been enjoying it. And one of these days, I'm going to sit down and actually start running a fed um, with some of my old-time favorite wrestlers uh, and, and really get the full experience with this game. And there's some games that I struggle with getting to that full experience with. Um, you've heard me talk about History Maker Golf, where I really don't do tournament play all that often. I, I like setting up smaller versions because I like to try to get my my you know sessions down to about 30 to 60 minutes and this one i can do that in like with one or two matches but uh playing out like an entire wrestling card and running an entire fed um just more time than i probably want to commit to it but at the same time i think with a little bit of help i, I could probably pull that off with this game too so I'm going to do that at one point. But for now, I'm enjoying just kind of running through some like historical matches and just recreating them on my tabletop uh, using this game. And, and I've done <coughs> some battle royals. I've done the Royal Rumble. I've done some individual matches and they all bring back great memories. And I think that's what you can really hope for from a simulation game. Next week. Uh, Next week, I'm going to take a look back at the first part of 2023, and I'm going to bring to you my top five favorite additions to my uh, gaming library. Uh, and these might be card sets. These may be full games, um, project ideas, whatever it might be. That's going to be like my top five. Uh, and there may be some honorable mentions in there, too. But uh, my top five new additions for 2023. That'll be our show next week. Until then, thank you for listening.